0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's a good one year into our uh, time at Grace Cornubia, and I couldn't think of anything better to do with my life than to have invested in this year with Kesh and the team uh, and and the people who have come to make Grace Cornubia their home. Uh, It has been a glorious uh, uh, year, and uh, it has been a a challenging year. uh, And and in essence, uh, what we've heard and what we sang about it just a little earlier, God, you are here healing every heart. And that's our prayer, that we would create a space where we, people would discover and experience the healing of God, the healing of our hearts, bodies, minds, and souls. So that's what we, what we do when we get around here. So um, why don't you give uh, the person next to you a high-five, happy birthday high-five, just for fun. <clears throat> that was pathetic. Uh, I don't think I'm going to ever ask you to participate in that way again. <laughs> So we're about uh, the series, and this is healing of hearts. Because if there is an area in our lives where I think uh, we always and often need healing, it's the area of, of finance and money. Um, the church has often, as the video would, uh, the bumper would suggest, uh, has often not got this thing right. Uh, some may come from traditions where you feel beaten on the head uh, by the church around this thing called money. But our heart is that God who is here would bring healing to our hearts. So we talk about how we might indeed uh, bank on God and find our peace and our security uh, beyond just our resources, which is quite frankly not always reliable. So in these tough times, Uh, we lean in to just talk about uh, tithing, about stewardship, and about generosity, these three things. The Dalai Lama was asked what confused him about Western society. Um, and sometimes it's good to catch a glimpse from, from, from outside of us. And these, w- this is what he said. What confuses me about Western society is mankind, humankind. Because he sacrifices his health in order to make money. And then he sacrifices his money to recuperate his health. And then he is so anxious about the future, and he does not enjoy the present. The result being that he does not live in the present or in the future. He lives as if he is never going to die, and then he dies having never really lived. I don't know if that strikes you uh, as, as true. He also said uh, the West has wider freeways but narrower viewpoints, taller buildings but shorter tempers. In a sense, he's saying we have much and we have built much, but we have lost something of ourselves. Will Smith said too many people spend money they haven't earned to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. That makes sense? (laughs) There's a paradox of our time, really. Uh, We have uh, super wealthy people, and and we have in our world those who are deeply impoverished. Jeff Bezos, who owns Amazon, has a net worth of $153 billion. Times that by 14 and a half, and you get the rands. Yet one in four CEOs claim to be strong claim to be struggling with depression. Those who have much seem to have lost much. They're neither living in the present nor in the future. These are interesting times. So Jesus speaking to a a group of people on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And Michelle and I have had the privilege of standing on that hill where the Sermon on the Mount uh, is recorded and Matthew, uh, interestingly, the tax collector who had chosen in his life <coughs> sorry, to serve money over, over his friends. He had sacrificed friendship, family, his faith in the pursuit of things. But he records Jesus speaking into these things to us. And as you listen... Uh, Catch the heart of of Jesus, who we know to be God-made flesh, speaking to us about our money. Uh, God, you are here healing every heart. This is what Jesus says. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal Store your treasure, your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In a sense, inviting us, and we reflected on this a little bit last week to say, uh, where is your treasure and where is your heart? He goes on to say, no one can serve two masters, And in essence, he says, there are two masters. Uh, There is God and there is money. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So pick where your trust lies, uh, Jesus is saying. And then he says, that is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life. In fact, it is true that our, our angst and our worry and our stress around things will rob us of our lives. Stress is one of the, the bigger causes of, of illness and, and, and death in our lives. So, uh, can, can a moment of worry add a single moment to your life? And then he closes this chat. Uh, as I see it in intimate chat with the people on that mountainside. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Maybe not everything you want, but everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Friends, it seems that Jesus talks about money in an age that is so different to ours, but it seems the issues are the same. Humanity and money. He never asked for money, but he talks about money to free us up, to help us. To help us, in essence, live like no one else so that we can live like no one else. He's in essence saying, would you get this thing right? Because if you do, if you choose the right master, if you choose God over money, then you will live like no one else. Because when when we take charge of our money, rather than our money taking charge of us, when we say to our things, I am the boss of you, you are not the boss of me, when we use that which has been entrusted to us in a God-honoring way, and we seek the kingdom of God first, uh, and we talked about that last week, when we tithe, which is a test of our heart, where is your heart? Where is your trust? Uh, When we... uh, The tithe is deeply biblical uh, inviting us to see God for who he is and then when we tithe it is a massive blessing to us and others this is the story of the tithe which is to take to bring the first of what we earn as a as an act of faith to God so consecrating the rest that we have it seems that when we do that uh, when we use what we have in a God honoring way we live financially free. If you missed last week, you can check it out online at, on our website. Uh, but even as I speak about that and I hear the loud shout, how, how do I do that? How do I uh, live on 90% of my income when currently I'm actually living on a 110%? Um, How do I possibly live on 90% and live a generous life? It seems impossible. Life and things get expensive and then life happens, all kinds of emergencies hit us and so it all just goes pear-shaped and I can't do that so I'm not even going to begin to think about that. Today we, we talk about stewardship, how we how we save spend and use our money how we steward our lives because in essence you give your life uh, your non-sleeping and leisure life to work and so a large part of your life is work and is earning how do you steward your life so that you can live like no one else and live free of worry uh, free of anxiety uh, free of angst around this thing called money how do we steward our things and there are four biblical thoughts on stewardship and the first is a liberating thought we own nothing fundamentally we own nothing and if you can breathe that thought in it's quite liberating really because if I own a lot of stuff I've got to look after it, protect it save it and do all kinds of things but if I own nothing I can live uh, free The psalmist says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Everything is God's. We owe nothing. C.S. Lewis, the great thinker, writes these words, Every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your life <clears throat> exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. Everything is God's. We own nothing. We, we could live with this liberating understanding of we own nothing the alternate which is uh, when Bart Simpson that ancient uh, 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 cartoon character was asked by his father to say grace this is how he prayed dear God we paid for all this stuff ourselves so thanks for nothing it's the other way God, this is ours, we have earned it, it is mine, and and therefore stay out of it, and we paid for ourselves, so we are grateful for nothing. It's a little jarring, don't you think? But how many perhaps subconsciously live in that way? Dear God, I have what I have, I own it, it's mine, thank you for nothing. It's the opposite of, I own nothing, and God, everything is yours. In Deuteronomy we read these words, uh, a person reflecting, my power and strength uh, uh, of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Do you see how many me's, my's is in that? And then the counsel in the next verse is, remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We owe nothing. It's a liberating thought. The second thing is, we have great responsibility. Owners have rights, but those who have been given uh, resources at their disposal as stewards have great responsibility. So the greater the resource in your hands, the greater the responsibility. Owners have rights. Stewards have responsibility. And we have the responsibility to manage things well. To manage our things. I think of Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. Now, they are of the super rich in our world. Um, And Melinda Gates was at our Global Leadership Summit two years ago uh, speaking about the Bill Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And they are courting the super rich, their friends who have an extraordinary amount of money. And they are asking them to sign a pledge to give 90% of their wealth away. Right? And they got people signing up. These are people that I would suggest say, we who have much have a great responsibility. And so many are giving a. Um, <clears throat> Warren Buffett, he says, I like earning money. I don't really like money much. He's riding the same car he rode long ago, in the same little house he lived in long ago. Um, He says, I like making it. And so he has given to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation 90% of his wealth. And that foundation is about the work of eradicating malaria from the face of the earth. One of their projects. There's a sense in which if we grab the truth that we own nothing and we have responsibility with the things we have, um, it's a liberating thought. The third is we will give an account There's a sense in which we will give an account for the rightful use of that which we have. Um, Jesus tells a story, a parable, a parable of the talents where everyone is given in different measure uh, uh, resources to use at their disposal, their talent and their treasure. And uh, two of them use their resource well. The third buries it in the ground for fear and anxiety and worry. And the challenge is, would you use what you've been given? Well, we will give an account. And the fourth thought is there is a reward when we received our things well. For the two in the parable of the talents who use their things well, they were greeted with these words, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It seems like there is a reward here and there is a reward there. We steward our things well. Now my sense is, if we breathe those thoughts into our lives, if we let them sink into us, we become better, grateful, responsible, accountable, receiving and giving people. We become better. Money doesn't fix us. Money doesn't fix things. But when we, when we steward our things well, we simply become better. We discover that we put our trust in God first, and then all things, all that we need, is given to us. It's liberating. It's freeing. So how do we get there? Is it possible that we can, in fact, live in these, with these uh, uh, biblical injunctions and find ourselves free? And what the Bible says about money is easy to understand. It works every time, but it is so hard to do. <laughs> it, it, it's instinctively true, but hard to do we'll need to make a decision of our heart that we'll seek to understand what uh, God's direction uh, is to us as we use our money that we will believe that it works that we'll do it no matter hard it appears to be and then we will live like no one else so that we can live like no one else fundamentally So I want to leave you with just four biblical principles on being a good steward. And you may buy it or not, but fundamentally, it seems to be God's way of saying, man, I'm here, and I want to bring healing to your heart and to your life and to your things. So the first principle is get out of debt. Get out of debt. The rich rule over the poor. And the borrower is a slave to the lender. So says wise King Solomon in the book of Proverbs. In this land of ours and around our world, debt is aggressively uh, marketed uh, and, and you won't go a week, I would suggest, without a letter in the post from the bank offering you a personal loan or three easy ways where you can borrow some more money. Is that not true? a little while ago a bank that shall not be mentioned one that i'm busy transitioning out of uh, i needed to borrow a little money we were building our house and i needed a little more because a house has a way of sucking everything out of you right so uh, i applied to the same bank uh, for two loans one was a personal loan and one was an extension to my overdraft right The bank refused on affordability the extension to my overdraft at an interest rate of 11%. But they granted me a personal loan, (laughs) same bank, at 21%. Can you imagine it? You can't afford 11% interest, but you certainly can, dear customer, 21%. Who's winning, hey? Who's winning? I have a long memory. And so that bank's going to be part of my history very shortly. And all is well. But uh, we fundamentally, the scriptures say, get out of debt. In essence, we need to be about plastic surgery. I think it was about that time I posted a small video on my public page uh, cutting up the credit cards. It was a liberating thing. Because uh, it is so easy these days to find yourself snared by the lender and you are deeply, deeply in debt. We can have now in these days what we can't afford. We can have it now and then we discover we can't afford much else. So if we do imagine living without debt Uh, It will require a shift in our thinking. God is our provider. He provides us with the capacity to earn. He provides us with the capacity to say no to something now. Um, There's an interesting statistic that young people these days, in their first seven years of their marriage, want to live at the same standard of living as their parents are living, Um, although their parents took 35 years to get there. Um, So the way they do that is they borrow. So there's a stat amongst young people. Mom and Dad, we want everything you've got, but we want it now. Not then. We want it now. Um, And it's debt. It's just debt. So how do you get out of debt? Um, Wise King Solomon says, my son, talking to his son, if you've put up security for your neighbor, if you have shaken hands in a pledge to a stranger, if you've got into debt, if you've been trapped by what you said, instead by the words of your mouth, so do this, my son, to free yourself since you've been fallen, fallen into your neighbor's hands. Go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hands of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler if you're in debt do everything you can and everything you have breath for but get out of debt Uh, I've shown this video and some of you may have seen it before but it's worth watching again like a gazelle running from a predator would you get out of debt you want to know the intensity that you need to have to bring to bear to get out of debt watch the screens with me like the deer Run! (laughs) You got it! Honestly, friends, with gazelle-like intensity, uh, we have to get out of debt, and that doesn't just happen. And I'm not suggesting you walk out of here and you're debt-free, but I am suggesting you have a plan to get out of debt. Um, sell what you what what you don't need. Uh, put your dog on Gumtree, whatever. But but just get rid of everything you can uh, that's sitting in your garage if you have a garage. But sell it today. Everybody wants your stuff. Flog it and just get out of debt. There's a uh, what's called the the debt snowball that uh, uh, Dave Ramsey speaker speaks of. He says pick your smallest debt, pay it off, and then uh, you've used to not living with that. Take the amount you put into that debt, put it into the next one, and when you've paid that off, put it into the next one. And before you know it, you've got this massive snowball running, and you're getting out of debt. The pick on the little one, and then just let the snowball go. But get out of debt quit borrowing money you can't get out of a hole if you're digging not so? so just stop borrowing money and that really says no to now when my Ford Cougar and you're going to be sick of hearing this but when my Ford Cougar packed up on Christmas Eve um, I was riding back uh, in a in a borrowed car and I thought now <clears throat> you know BMW at the top there Alvim the car hangs from the ceiling. <laughs> Everything shines. I mean, it's just shiny. I took a whimsical turn. I thought, I'm going to buy another car. You know, this Cougar has given me so much trouble. So I turn in there and I go in, and a salesman greets me with bright eyes. And uh, I say, Look, I'm, I want to buy another car, this car of mine inspector. He said, What is your budget? So I gave him my budget. I actually had no budget because I I didn't want to buy another car, really. But I gave him what I'm paying now. And the salesman at at BMW said, I think you should go to Hyundai. (laughs) (laughs) I thank God for him because he asked two good questions. He said, do you have a budget? And it made me think. And then uh, uh, he told me I can't afford this thing. Which is a good thing. Stop borrowing. So I thank God for that. So now the Cougar gets a new engine. I've got another car for five years. And I borrow no more. Stop borrowing. Prayer really works. And I'm not sure what your circumstance is. I don't know what debt you're in. But prayer really works. And when we say to God, God, this is where we are. Uh, work in our hearts. Give us wisdom and then give us the courage and the endurance to work the plan and to work a good plan. My daughter used to phone me from university and she had an allowance and a budget and I gave her lecture after lecture about living within her means. And she would phone and say, Dad, it's the 20th of the month and I have no money. Uh, And and then I would give her the lecture and tell her this and that and she'd endure the lecture and then I would uh, help her. Um, now here's the thing I would hate as a dad to a daughter to have her far away uh, with no resource and she didn't phone and so phone home phone home talk to God about where you are and uh, be open to his guidance around how to deal with your things and see what he does but get out of debt and prayer often helps be innovative in all things, but like a gazelle running from the hunter. That kind of energy is what it requires to get out of debt. The second thing is act your wage. Um, And this is timeless, timeless good advice. Act your wage. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Uh, The wise Live within their means, but the fools eat everything they have and more. And so be wise. Live on less than you make. And there's a rule that I've kind of instructed my children with greater or lesser success, and that was live on on 80% of your income. Give 10 away. uh, Save 10%. So you give 10 away the tithe, you save 10, you pay yourself, and then you live on the rest. So imagine saying, yeah, I have a budget, now I'm going to budget on 80%, what can I do without? Because that's where I want to land. Hannah used to say, phoning from university, is my daughter, when uh, her argument was when I said, how can you run out of money on the 20th? And her answer was this, Dad, this year I have a lot of time and no money. Next year when I'm working, I'll have a lot of money and no time. And so basically she was saying, you need to pay for my time. (laughs) Yeah. But let me say, now that she works for a bank, um, she's still (laughs) got to work out her time and money. Um, it's not automatic. But act your wage. Live within your means. And if you're going to do that, thirdly, you're going to need to get on a budget. Spy on your money. Manage your money. The one who manages their resources well will be entrusted with more. The one who doesn't manage what they have will discover they have lost what they thought they had in your family's lifetime um, even if you're not earning a great deal you will probably manage millions in your lifetime so the encouragement is act like it because you have much and will have much going through your hands jesus says when you start a building cost it out lest you are embarrassed um, and so the, the encouragement is don't start a month without costing it out have a plan have that plan on paper um, have it on purpose and before the month begins and in a way you're giving every rand a name you're telling every rand you have where to go And and quite frankly, if you don't tell it where to go, it will go. And you won't know where it has gone. And you will say, I don't know where it went, but it is gone and I don't have enough. I have more month than I have money. So the encouragement is, uh, have a plan. Get on a budget and spy on your money. And then save money the fourth get out of debt, act your wage get on a budget and save a little and the idea is to have a little in saving for emergencies because you cannot outspend your stupidity save for a rainy day life is coming and saving is a Murphy repellent you know if something can go wrong it will go wrong Um, To have a, a saving, a small saving, even if it is a discipline, to just have a small means you have something there so that when life happens and an emergency hits you, you actually don't have to worry so much. You have something spare. Saving helps you not borrow in the face of emergency. You see, debt is not a sin, it's just biblically stupid. In essence, save. Save to buy things rather than buy things and then pay for them. Interestingly, McDonald's, uh, years ago you used to have to pay cash. Do you remember? For those who ever bought McDonald's. We don't eat McDonald's, do we? None of us. Um, But then McDonald's converted. Now you can buy McDonald's with a credit card. And they did a study, and and this was the study. People spent 47% more when they paid with their credit cards than when they paid with cash. So the idea is that we save and we refuse to spend what we do not have. When you learn to save You learn to invest, and there's an incredible amount of peace that comes into our hearts. Now, you can't do all of these things unless you do all of these things. In essence, you've got to do them all. Get out of debt with gazelle-like intensity, act your wage, get on a budget, and save. And God cares about you far more than he cares about your money. He wants you to win Uh, God has a game plan for your life. And and quite frankly, my prayer is that today, even as you consider these things, uh, when the bumps come in the road, uh, when life happens with you, regardless of your circumstance now, God, who is here in these tough times, would give you a deep sense of peace. He's given you what you have. He will ensure you have what you need. And he simply wishes you to steward those things well. We invite you to to take the bank of God challenge, really, which is in this three-week period, last week, this week, and the next week, is to simply apply your mind and your heart to that which you have. And we talk about tithing, stewardship, and generosity and uh, see how you wish to adjust the way you live in order to come in line with God's clear direction so that we might live like no one else because we choose to live in a God-honoring and righteous way. I'd love to pray with you even as we close our time together and get ready to share something and share this birthday day together. But let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you invite us to call you Father because you have a deep heart for us. You would have us live freely, not with worry or anxiety about whether we have enough or not. And you know us here, Lord. You, you know us each by name. You, you know the circumstance of our home, of our life, of our work. I would pray, Lord, for those who seek employment. I ask, Lord God, that in these difficult times, you in all your love and your power would make a way for you are the way maker, as we sang earlier. That even as those here today cry out simply for the chance to work, for you have made us to work, I pray, Lord, that your provision would come, even in this week to come. I pray, Lord God, for those who, who are weighed under by debt. And I ask, Lord, even as we cry out today and we perhaps begin to make a little adjustment to our lives so as to deal with that debt, even though it might appear to be mountainous, I pray, Lord, that there would be significant things happening in our hearts, our world, and our lives. Just the faithfulness to begin would bring about Uh, a new liberation and freedom. You are here, Lord, healing every heart. And around the issue of money and resource, you would have us healed. And I ask that you would do your work in us. For those who have much, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be the kind of stewards you would want us to be, recognizing that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So, Lord, in your love, in your grace, and in your power, do your work of healing to our homes, our hearts, and our finances. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.